She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Guatemala, Spanish, you're going to give up French? Well, you know, maybe I'll be trilingual. <laughs> Unlikely, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm Julie Roxanne's laughing. I didn't mean to laugh this <laughs> And then, and then, over that weekend, we got ten calls. Ten. Ten people who were like seriously interested, seriously, like telling us they had the funds, they wanted to be the next in line yeah. if this didn't work out. Yeah. Someone even asked if anyone had offered more yeah. than we were we were asking. We're just like, where did all this come from? And why so late? What the hell? I shorted the circuit. And, yes. uh, and we we burnt a hundred euro converter. Yeah, and it went up in smoke. Probably almost caused a fire. Oh my god! And then, and uh, then curled he... up into the fetal position. <laughs> and I fed him chips on the bed at like 10, <laughs> 10 p.m. And I it's put just... down a, a glass of apple cider as well. <laughs> Listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Hello, welcome. You have to imagine that Julie Roxanne, like, sh- she sticks her arms in the air and she looks at the ceiling. She has this whole kind of welcome. <laughs> so imagine just, that when you hear. I that. just really love to give you a dose of that energy when she's you always trying. Here. She's she's always trying to get get me to give a little bit more energy <laughs> on my. My intros, I come off a little deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, today is a special farewell for the caravan. Yeah. This it, is our last time recording in the caravan. We have sold the caravan, and you will hear more about this on the episode. But yeah, that's that's what's happening today. It's a walk down memory lane. And uh, a reflection as well. And on a side note, you might hear some construction noises around, which we are not responsible for, and we are doing our very best to keep them out of the recording, but they've stopped now that we've finished They literally stopped right after we finished. (laughs) But it was probably here, so that is also part of the last, the ambiance. Of living in a caravan. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Buenos dias, buenos dias, buenos dias. <laughs> well, hi, bienvenido, apparently. <laughs> Welcome. I'm preparing for Guatemala. We'll be there before you know it. Yeah, definitely. From the time we record, we'll be there in three weeks. So probably when they listen to this, will we be there already? I'm not sure. Well, maybe close to it at least. Ah, Yeah, Guatemala, Spanish. You're going to give up French? Well, you know, maybe I'll be trilingual. <laughs> Unlikely, but <laughs> yeah, I'm Julie Roxanne's laughing. Didn't, I didn't mean to laugh this. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
no, 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 no. Maybe you can have a good mastering of two other language. Yeah, that's, maybe. That's, maybe. Uh, everything possible. Everything possible. Everything possible in Guatemala. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, you. We're so happy you're here. Today is a special day because it's our second to last day in the caravan. It's it's our last full day. In the it's caravan. our last full day, but we'll be in the day. It will be in the caravan tomorrow. Yeah. So this that would make it the second to last day. Oh my God. <laughs> Contrarian. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's boxes everywhere. We've been packing up this week. Uh, we have someone coming. Benoit is coming to pick it up tomorrow, uh, which is very exciting. He's a 22-year-old young gun. It's going to be his first uh, first home. He's moving out of his parents' house. His parents are coming to, to help him pick it up. And yeah. he's really excited about it. I think he's we are so too. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. I'm so happy that he's the one that inherits Chana. Yeah, there's going to, it's going to be a kind of passing of the torch. And there's going to be a new kind of energy going into Chana Masala. And I'm excited that that uh, that's happening, that we're not just like kind of passing her on to die. We're actually yeah. giving her a new life. Uh, so that feels spiritually in line. If you didn't know, Chana Masala is the name of our caravan. It, it means it's, a, it's an Indian dish based with chickpeas. One of our favorites. One of our favorites. So <laughs> this episode, we thought we'd talk a little bit about saying goodbye to the caravan. Yeah, it's weird to imagine that this is the last time we're recording here. It's just, it's weird this morning to wake up and know that today's our last full day. Tomorrow when we wake up, we have to like empty everything, empty really everything, move out the mattress, all of it. You know, like tomorrow is really just the last details, unplugging it. By 10 a.m., it's probably going to be just a caravan with no connection, no water, no electricity. So it's not like we're going to be able to do much in it. It's. It's weird and awesome, and it's a very um, interesting time. One thing that's very interesting about the the whole thing was uh, we've been struggling to sell the caravan. Oh, so much. It's been up for over a month, yeah. and we weren't getting very much interest, and we're starting to stress out because we had already booked our apartment in Guatemala. And, uh, and so we were committed and we weren't getting a lot of interest and we were like, what is going on? Is there just not a lot? I mean, it is a pretty specialty item. It's not just like it's a caravan. It's, it's more of a tiny home than a caravan. It's a yeah. tiny home in the form of a caravan and you need to kind of have special requirements to, to want this thing. Yeah. So we were getting concerned. And so almost exactly two weeks ago, uh, you suggested we do a ceremony. Yes. I'm I'm part of a forum with other kind of witchy women and uh, and so I shared my anxiety because I remember like 2 weeks ago it was just over the top anxiety because we weren't selling and we just weren't seeing any way out. It was hard to focus on anything else because every, there was just this kind of crushing weight of the caravan. Like it had gone from, I mean, this has happened multiple times through our experience because of what's happened, but the caravan has gone from an asset to a liability mm-hmm. in, in a flash. Yeah. And again, it was feeling like a really big burden. Yeah. And so I shared that on this on this forum, this community. 
And uh, and one of the women were like, oh, I feel you. I went through the same thing with my piece of land. And uh, we were getting maxed out on like they were already renting somewhere else and still waiting for that piece of land to be sold. And I think it was crushing them on, on the financial front. So she was like, so on the new moon, I did a cord burning ceremony. And uh, so basically, like she tied her hand and knees and or hand and feet and like burned it in a spirit of releasing or whatever. And so she suggested this and then she said, and after I did that, we got five offers that next week and we closed in four weeks. And I was like, oh, okay, let's just give it a try. Because we had done a ritual already. Like We had we, done a gratitude ritual and, and kind of thanked the caravan. Yeah. We sat outside one night and looked at her and, and said some said some stuff. But uh, I think there was a lot of layers of letting go of the connection with this caravan. And so this ritual was actually a good idea. So it was around the new moon when she suggested that. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And because uh, the new moon is the time to letting it, letting things go and, and all that. And so uh, I did a very intricate system of tying ourselves to the caravan and the caravan to the tree and ourselves to the land and yeah so basically we were connected to the caravan and we were also connected to the land uh, by ropes yeah and once you're connected to both you can't really move it's kind of constricting it was kind of interesting to uh, really feel that too like oh, it's not, I'm really constricted on a very physical level. And that is also what's happening on an energetical level. And uh, you were starting to make jokes and take this not very seriously, which you usually are really good with rituals. But I I think this one, we really jumped into it because we were like, okay, let's do it before bed or whatever. And I was like, dude, if we're going to do this, you need to be serious because it's not about doing it. It's about the intentions when you do it. And then we burnt each of the piece of rope that were connecting us to the caravan and to the land. And then there was a final one, which was connecting the caravan to the land. And I believe we did that on a Sunday evening. And the next day we had the first person come and visit it. She contacted me in the morning and she came to visit it in the evening. It wasn't a good match, but it was still like good after a month of crickets. And... On Thursday morning, I had a text from Benoit, and by Thursday evening, it was sold. And, and then, then, and then, over that weekend, we got ten calls. Ten. Ten people who were like seriously interested, seriously, like telling us they had the funds, they wanted to be the next in line yeah. if this didn't work out. Yeah. Someone even asked if anyone had offered more yeah. than we were we were asking. We're just like, where did all this come from? And why so late? What the hell? It, it was really, really strange. We had one person come and see early on uh, about when we listed it about a month ago. And we've had a couple calls, but none of them were very serious. We had we had some prank calls. We, we had a couple obnoxious gypsies. One woman was like, What's the big deal? It's just an aluminum box. Yeah, that's just, that's the And I think your response was great. Because yeah. I think you're like, it's my home. Uh, and, yeah. and then she backed off. <laughs> but it was just not going well. You were really tired of the calls. And we just weren't getting a lot. And then it went kind of silent. And yeah. then we did the ceremony. And we had a buyer who wired us money within five days. Yeah. And then after that, we had 10 calls, probably more serious inquiries than we had the whole month prior. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And to be clear, this 
the person who's coming to buy it is driving six hours to come and pick it up. And they're he, on the other side of France. And he wired us a, a basically a deposit. Yes. And he never saw it. He, You did a virtual tour of yeah. the place. He was stoked about it. And he wired us money, which uh, says a lot about your sales skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was also just the right timing for him. But anyways, th- this ritual, I think Alistair is now a little spooked. That he actually lives with a witch or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, I don't really want to give, like, it's, it's, can't Unca- explain it. Uncanny. Uncanny. I don't know. It's a I little told, spooky. I told, I told my, my dad and my stepmom are trying to sell their house and they're also getting crickets. And I was, I told them about this. My stepmom's like dipping her toe from, you know, very carefully into all this stuff. My dad is like, very rational he likes to think spiritually but the actual actions he's just like Meh. and so i told them that and yasmin was like we should do that we should do that let's do that let's and so i think they're going to do one to sell their house and it, i think it's it's all about the intentions the, the icing on the cake is is you pointed out that we are going to arrive in marseille uh, where we're taking a month off or we're kind of a in-between months before we go to guatemala on the full moon. Yeah. So literally, we did this, and then fifteen, fifteen days. Two later, weeks. Yeah. Two weeks from the ceremony when we had nothing. Nothing. And then we're out, and right on time because we really had no time to spare. Yeah, and it's gonna be so exciting because we are gonna stay at my mom's for a little bit, which means like this kind of long layover. Um, you're considering maybe going to the mountains, which you haven't been able to do, or at least you're going. You're thinking about going on a hike, uh, like a alone for multiple days which i hope you can do because you've been wanting to do it and then our car broke down yeah that's one thing we haven't really mentioned that like er very early on in this process it was kind of like it felt like a cosmic boot from the universe (laughs) we drove to marseille and our car broke down it barely got us there and then we had to junk it oh yeah and take the train back so we haven't had a car for the last few weeks that happened around the nudist camp story if you've listened to that one and if you haven't listened to the nudist camp I go to a nudist camp with my new French mother-in-law, and uh, we drink champagne naked. It's worth listening to. Let's go back. Check it out. <laughs> Sounds awesome. But yeah, our car... How we, many husbands can say that? Not a lot, and I'm, I, every day I And if I they count, can, they're probably in trouble. You know, you, that might yeah, be that a bad was- thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really, really weird if you'd done that on your own. Like, oh, by the way, my your mom and I are going to nudist camp by ourselves. Uh, okay, it's weird. I was thinking more about just the drinking champagne naked. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that's that's true. <laughs> we, uh, yes, yeah, so we we've been without a car, which in this side of France means you can't do anything because literally within walking distance of our place is. A tobacco shop that a, also sells bread. And a dumpster. Yes. And a lot of trees. And the post office, who is only open five mornings a week. Yeah. So so we've got we were lucky enough to have a car landed to us when we needed it. And we're actually gonna drive it today to go pick up our moving truck because turns out, thank God, that our car broke down because there's no way we could have packed everything we have in this car. I don't know about thank God, but well, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a little painful. It's just that's what happens. Life. So we wanted to sit down one last time in the caravan today to 
kind of wrap this up, right? Wrap this part of our life up and just say goodbye to the caravan and everything that happened in it and around it. And God knows a lot happened. Um, this is the place we've lived for the majority of our relationship. We've, yeah, we've have it, we've had it for a year and a half and we've been living in it full time for a year. And, uh, man, it's just so weird to know that. Well, actually, I don't think I fully know that once it's gone, I, right now I'm excited about, oh, everything we're going to be able to do now that we don't have it. But how is it going to feel mentally to not know? You know, it's like, is it going to feel like a breakup where you wake up in the morning and you've forgotten that you've broken up? And and you you think you're still together, and then that's oh no, you know, crushing the heart again. Like I don't know if it's gonna feel this way. Yeah, I'm I'm in between if I'm gonna wake up and feel like a deep sense of loss once we leave, or a deep sense of relief. Yeah, <laughs> I'm aiming. I'm I want to say tentatively that it's gonna be both. I I feel both right now. I think there is an aspect that, you know, this isn't our first time around the block with this stuff. And we're going back to a life that's going to be a bit more mobile yeah. uh, than what we've been doing. And I think we both know the challenges psychologically of that kind of life. We're going to be living out of a backpack again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be in places that aren't ours. You know, however much you try, like someone else's house is never your home, uh, in, a, in a way. And I, I think that is psychologically challenging. And I'm kind of stealing myself up to go back into that. I know it's time. I feel like we've really outgrown this caravan in a lot of ways. And I'm ready. I think it's the right move. But again, it feels a little bit like a leap into the dark. And and not quite familiar because uh, it's not like I'm... I don't feel like I'm going back to traveling. Yeah in the way that I was. Uh, We're at a different stage. We have some commitments and responsibilities that we want to continue to see through. We have projects that we're working on. And that was different when we were traveling before. We were wanderers more. And uh, that's not the case this time. Also, we're traveling together. And although we traveled together for some time before we got the caravan, that was very different. Now we're married. Now we're starting to try to build a life together um, it's a tighter bond. And uh, I've already felt that kind of come up and like the decisions I make about how I travel have to also translate to you mm. in a way they didn't before. So in a way, it, it does not feel like a return to travel. It feels like uh, we're moving on to kind of a new stage and, and it feels it feels a bit unknown. And so I think I have, I have the kind of the nerves yeah. about that. And uh, I think that's fine. It's exciting. And I do have the feeling that a lot's going to open up for us. I, I I do feel like we've kind of reached the limits of what's possible in this caravan. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also a sense of mixed in with the excitement and the nerves and and the, all that stuff. There is there is a sense a, a sense of failure as well with what we tried to do here. And if I'm being honest, it didn't really totally work out, Mm. uh, at least the way I I had hoped, which was, you know, in the beginning, our idea was we want a travel hub. We never intended in living here most of the time. We wanted a place where we could hang up our bags and where we knew we could retreat to when we had some work to do or, or just wanted to take a break from traveling. 
and because of a lot of things that shifted uh, yeah. and we've been uh, reacting to that and we've lived out of it more than we would have so that kind of original idea of having a travel hub for the foreseeable future that we could pop in and out of in France it didn't really work out i think our idea kind of like didn't survive impact with reality yeah very early on it was like we thought it was going to bring us all this freedom and actually it was it was not it was the opposite well yeah i think in one way you're right yeah. in in the way we had thought yes. we but in another way it actually did bring a lot of freedom through the constraints i agree and and it was an incubator of sorts i think you know the we've developed a few sources or a few businesses small but but they're growing and and they're rewarding and we developed them in the caravan and the caravan kind of forced us to build sources of income that didn't rely on location mm. that could be built around that kind of lifestyle yeah and i think that was really valuable because i don't know if we hadn't lived in a caravan if we would have actually developed businesses like that it gave us a lot of space too because it kind of reduced our our needs and and some of the uh financial pressure and it allowed us to kind of explore and and have a pretty creative time i think also because we were in such a close kind of contact you and i were able to yeah. collaborate at, at a at a really really fast pace and i think that was also really valuable for our relationship which saw us get engaged and then also married while we were in this caravan no that that's totally true and i think that was the freedom it brought us and i liked what you said about the constraint because one of the things i felt very early on is i think when we came into this life i had this thought that oh we're going to put it on someone's land and that's not going to affect anything. You know, like I was like, oh, it's just, it's land that's going to be here for the foreseeable future and we're going to have our own privacy and da, da, da. Well, very quickly, we ran into all sorts of issues. Like, okay, if we, like, there's only a handful of places on the land that we can put the caravan and they're all within, they're all very close to the house, the main house of the land. And we need to get electricity. We need to get water. So we need to be close to that as well. And very early on, I realized like, oh, shit, this living on someone's land means I'm living on someone's land and like I'm in contact with them or I have to be or there's like a relationship that needs to be maintained. And then there's a sense of, you know, we've been lucky enough to live on people's land and not pay rent, at least not in the form of money. And that's been really awesome for our finances. But man, From the day I realized this, I was like, okay, this caravan thing is at least right now the caravan on someone's land. Either we buy land and move it to our own land and we can keep the caravan or we have to get rid of it. There's just no way that we can do this living on someone's land for for years. And I realized this very early on. And I think that constraint, that realization was one of the reasons where I felt this very intense drive to get to work this year and just figure out like hustle and figure out way to, ways to make money, which I have and you have too, in, in a way, maybe differently. But and I think that is really exciting that it gave us this opportunity. But if you can't tell by the sound of my voice and the energy that's transpiring through your speakers right now, I am so fucking done with living on someone's land and I am so ready to be back into a totally in control of my own destiny kind of stuff where I'm the one that pays for stuff and then 
I'm the client and I can tell a, a, an owner or someone like, hey, no, like I'm paying and what you're doing isn't cool. You know, like I'm done. I'm done with the taking the helping hand on this front for now. Yeah, which I think is a change. Probably if you've been here since the beginning on the first few episodes of our podcast, I think we were much more optimistic <sighs> yeah. about the kind of communal relationships we could have. I think uh, I misjudged something in that. And I think, you know, the maybe where the disconnect was, was our lives are so radically different than anything anyone in this area is doing. There's a lot of uh, eco-permaculture projects, agriculture projects, like people, there's a lot of land-based projects, mm-hmm. like around, you know, cultivating the land or doing doing actual things like that. But not very many people own a laptop. And nobody understands what we do in this caravan. Yeah, business and, means nothing. And I think that disconnect, it, that's just been a uh, kind of a canyon that's been too hard to bridge. And I do think it's affected our relationships in kind of invisible ways, sometimes not so invisible. It's just hard because I don't think we have a complete appreciation for what the people around here are doing and, and want to do. And they don't have... Or an understanding. Yeah. And they don't, and vice versa, they don't have the understanding or appreciation of what we're doing. And I think uh, if I were to do another project like this again, and I probably would mm. if, if it seemed right, and I'm not even totally against doing something communal where we're sharing land or anything like that, but I would pay attention to make sure that we had more values in common or projects in common. I would want to, I would want to be living with people that understood the work I was doing. And if if that wasn't possible, I'd think hard about it before entering that relationship because I think that has been a challenge that we haven't really successfully bridged. Yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. I think if if it was a different situation, I'd be open to living on someone's land. I'm just really excited that there's a a portion of my life right now, the one that's coming up, where I'm the only one deciding where I go, when I go, and what I do. And that I have, I've reclaimed this power a little bit. It's felt a little stifling at times to live on someone's land. Even though, I just want to say this for the record, even though it's been really incredible to have a place to live for a year and a half and not pay rent for a year and a half. That's, yeah. been, that's been magical. And, and I think it's been absolutely instrumental in the new and kind of budding businesses that we've built around podcasting, the podcast editing, producing, the retreats we're throwing, and my coaching work, it's all been because we haven't had those pressures and we've been able to play and we've been able to just kind of follow the things we want to do. Yeah. Um, that, that And now they're, start of gro- they're kind of growing and giving us you know, they're at a point where we can leave and feel a bit more comfortable about leaving. So I think it's been a really important time. Like we kind of bunkered down and and now it makes sense to to kind of look forward and say, okay, well now it's kind of constrictive. It served its purpose. It, it protected us for a while and and it's time to move on. It's ironic because, you know, moving into a caravan, I think there's a lot of like associations that come with that. And one of them is I think most people might think like, oh, I'm going to move into a caravan in the woods to get away from society. Yeah. And it's funny because we actually, when I look back on it, we did it for the opposite reason. We were out of society and mm-hmm. had been for a while. And the caravan was kind of a, 
a bridge back. Yeah. Uh, we've both recognized that it seemed important for us to have some, to be in one physical place, to have a sense of home, to start developing some relationships locally. And that was part of the motivation for getting the caravan. And it's for us been a bridge back to society. I think it's been a really good choice on that on that front because uh, we've been developing a lot of relationships online and, and in different areas. And I don't know if that would have happened the same way without the caravan. And so, so yeah, it's it's been a great bridge. It was, let's be honest, it was our only way to have a home that didn't compromise our values and that didn't make us go back to work and get a job in the city. It was our only way. At, the, at that point in time, it was the only way and it really served its purpose. I think besides the caravan being a bridge, it's also... I really like this idea that I kind of latched onto early on when we started the caravan project of it being an outpost because the caravan was, uh, you know, you, there's the town of Montmorson and then there is like the smaller, oh, that's a city. And then there's a town on the outskirts of, Mont, outskirts of Montmorson, yeah. which is uh, Roquefort. And then there's a village on the outskirts of Roquefort and that was... Sarbazon. And then there was your aunt and uncle's house on the outskirts of Sarbazon. <laughs> and then there was our caravan on the outskirts of their property yeah. facing old growth forest. Yeah. So we really felt on the edge. And so I kind of started thinking about the caravan as this outpost. This it was like kind of we were we were straddling the line of like civilization. And the wild, yeah, you know, and it was kind of a romantic notion, and uh, and I really enjoyed thinking about it that way, and I think in the caravans kind of helped me because a big question for me for a while now, and uh, I think we kind of explore some of this on the our our podcast episode about the hero's return, is you know having traveled and left society for a while and coming back, the coming back part, I think has been harder than the leaving part. For a sure. lot harder. And I've heard a lot of travelers say the same thing. It's very difficult to come back. And a lot of travelers never actually come back. They come back, get a job for six months, and then leave yeah. again. Yeah, and it's that question of how do I integrate what I've learned and who I've become with what I've left? Mm. And that is a question that's been front and center for me over the last couple of years is how do I return or like, what is my relationship with society? Where do I belong in it? I do not feel like I belong where I was in it. Yeah. Which was pretty central. That was too much. And uh, I think the outpost concept has been so attractive to me because it's also been instructive on perhaps guiding my relation with society. And I'm starting to think of my role more in terms of the shaman's role. And what I mean by that is like kind of the shaman usually lives on the hut just outside the town. and But he's still working. He still is valuable for the town. Mm. He plays an integral role, but it's an outsider's role. And I think I've gotten more comfortable with the idea of playing an outsider's role in my society. I definitely don't want to leave. Like, I don't even think I can. But it's been a it's been an active question. How do I relate with society in a way that... I feel is healthy 
and and helpful for both sides. And um, so I think the caravan's been an active exploration of that. And I don't think I've gotten it quite right, but I do think it's been very instructive. Not in a similar way, but I think I've also had my own realizations about my, the way I relate to the world and to other people when living in this caravan. Um, it's been a... It's been a crazy year and a half. Like that's something I wanted to share in the reflection on this on this time living here is uh we came back to France. Like we could have settled down somewhere else, but we came back to my home country and I've really had to develop boundaries for my own mental health, which has been painful. If you've ever seen the movie uh, The Fifth Element when uh when like they revive Lilu and like she's in that tub and she's like lying down and then they bring this electrical thing. And then basically it's like they force a, a UV light on her so that her body will develop skin. And I think that doesn't sound like a fun process. Well, that's what happened for me <laughs> for the, this year and a half. It feels like a the, great analogy. Yeah, it's just it's like the world was like blasting all these things at me. And I came back to France and I feel like I had this idea that my entire family had so many expectations of, of how much I should be around. And which besides my dad, I'm like in a six or seven hour drive from my mom. So I'm in the same country, but it's not like it's easy to go and visit her. And so it's, it's been interesting. And with my aunt and uncle as well, having to put boundaries up for myself to like, survive at times I think I'm my tension personally is that I'm introverted and so I get very socially exhausted like easily but at the same time I have high social needs I have I need to connect to the the community and the people and it's always a tension for me like how do I do that and I think setting boundaries for myself and stating them to other people has been really important it's an ongoing journey but the caravan and the living situation we were in forced me to do that. It, it was also a time where I was able to do a lot of healing work. And I'm sure we'll do another episode about this exactly. But I just, life has changed for me. I went from, I'm a totally different person than when we arrived here in, in so many ways. I've, I've found my voice. I've found my purpose. I know what I want to do with my life. When, when, when we arrived here, I was, I'd say I was happier than I had been my entire life, but I was also lost and at a deeper level, just generally de depressed, like being at the effect of life and playing more of a victim role and not, you know, not really taking responsibility for myself and my own actions and not feeling very powerful in my abilities and in, you know, who I am. And it's like my world has been flipped like a pancake over the last year. And I know that this is because we've had this place. And I know that this is because if I couldn't feel grounded in myself, then at least I would be grounded, if not weighted down by the, the weight of the caravan. You know, it's felt like an anchor forcing me to deal with my stuff before I could move on. And that has been an extremely important part of this time living in the caravan. And I think I'm just, we're ready to go, but I'll always remember this time for how life-changing it was in so many aspects. 
And it wasn't just the caravan. I mean, the caravan was the start, but you put a lot of work into into healing mm. and uh, kind of helping yourself over the last year, year and a half. So the caravan was definitely a start, but it went a lot further than than that. Yeah, it, it's just the caravan gave me like the the container to do this work, and uh, it, it's it's been wonderful. Another thing that. I've, I wanted to do on this episode was kind of reflect on the memories or I've been I've been reflecting on the memories as we're about to sell this place I realize for instance we don't have a lot of pictures of us in it we don't have a picture a lot of pictures of us period but I just wanted to take like a mental picture of of this place and everything that happened in it I feel like there's so many memories that are coming up like Alistair installing the uh, switch for the water pump late in the evening. And we were so excited. We thought we were going to get water. And then he... Uh, I shorted the circuit. And, yes. uh, and we we burnt a 100 euro converter. Yeah, and it went up in smoke. Probably almost caused a fire. Oh, my God. And then, and uh, then curled he... up into the fetal position. <laughs> And I fed him chips on the bed at like 10, 10 p.m. And I it's put just... down a, a glass of apple cider as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just those, I want to remember those memories because it sounds funny now. It sounds cool now. It sounds like, you know, it's like you can look at it with the with the graduation goggles and just like, oh, I will remember that so fondly. But at the time, it was so fucking hard. Everything was so hard. We flooded the caravan and the water went under the, the board so many times and you painted the ceiling and you hated it. You painted the ceiling for three days. You had to you had to fix water leaks for three days straight. And and when I was painting I had a kooky idea that like the caravan would look really good in, in a in a purple and a bright yellow. Like it was gonna look really modern, gray floors, purple, bright yellow. It was gonna be a creator studio. And I painted it. Uh, I painted one of the cabinets. It took me like probably a day to do. Painted the cabinets and the bathroom. And we both looked at it and we knew those were not the colors. It looked awful. It was terrible. Awful. And then Alistair said it was the last time he would pick the colors himself. Yes. <laughs> and after that, I picked the colors and we went with white. And it went really well. It went really well. <laughs> <laughs> it's. There's there's all the meltdowns that I've had, like countless meltdowns that I've had of, over everything, work, life, managing my schedule, just everything. There's the early wins, too, from the, the work we've been starting to do. Yeah. Uh, it, it's It's been a really exciting time. And I think some of the sadness comes from when you make a move like this, I remember I was surfing with my close friend back in San Diego right before I started traveling. And it was the last time we were surfing together in like one of our favorite spots. It was the beach just down the block from where we used to live when we lived together. And we know he was married and we no longer live together anymore. And so we went out one last time and we we're sitting, uh, sitting out there together talking and I don't remember every much of what we said, but I remember him making the comment. He's like, "Well, man, you leaving is like the end of an era," and it was true. It really was. It was the end of like a a decade yeah. for us. And I realized, it's like, "Oh my God, you're right. This is that moment that defines an era." Yeah. 
And I think we're in, it's a shorter era, but we're in a similar moment here. This is a moment that defines it. And when you cross over, you start looking back and you know, you're no longer there. Yeah. And you can't, you can't go back, you know, those were the early days. Yeah. And, uh, whatever's next is not that. I mean, there's just so many beautiful moments, us building a home together, us making the decision to live together, us getting engaged, us starting businesses together, us getting married, all, all the other moments that come along. It was a very intense period of our life. And by leaving, it's like, there, there is some sense that, you know, yeah, it's already in the past, but when you leave, it's like the continuity is broken. It is clearly another stage of life. And I think I'm feeling that. Yeah, I think the the thing that I'm feeling is this this sense of like time passing. You know, it's like collecting memories and realizing like the more memories you have, the longer you've li- you know that means you've lived longer. And it's just like this this crushing realization that every moment that that we're living is gonna be like as soon as it's happened is already a memory if you can remember it at all. And it's just this like crushing sense of, oh my God, time is passing. We're in those years, you know, like when I say that, I remember going to, um, we got engaged on Christmas Eve, I think. And like a couple of days later, I went to the like associative meal, community meal of the village in England where all the old women know me and and so they had been warned that I was engaged. And so they like all, I was going to say ran, but probably walked slowly up to me. <laughs> and uh, and they were like, oh, my God, let me see. And they like grabbed my hand and just looked at the ring. And which was really weird for me because that's really not something that you do in France. And so but at the same time, it's like, oh, it's like in the movies. And I just realized like those women are in their like 70s, 80s. And what gets them excited is this stage of life that we're in. It's this like blossoming of everything, of the getting engaged, getting married, making projects, building a life. And I think this this caravan and selling it is just making me realize how short that period really is and how it makes up for most of the memories that you end up tying later in the future. You know, my mom's 67 and she often talks to me about like the early days of her relationship with my dad and the first apartment they were living in when they got married. They're divorced now, but that doesn't matter. Like that's, you know, those are the years you remember until the end. And it's just really weird to say goodbye to the vessel that kind of took us through this time, you know? I think vessel is an apt term because uh, I, I tend to think of Shauna, especially when we're sitting outside at night and we can see kind of the glow of her, like the golden glow of her lights from the inside and we're looking outside. And uh, I think of that David Bowie song, uh, Just a Tin Can. Yeah. I, I, it's, uh, it's, uh, sitting in a tin can. Far away from... I is can't, it Rocket Man? Yeah, is that the, it, no, it's... No, no, Rocket Man is Elton John. It's uh, uh, the ground control to make... Space Oddity. Yeah, yeah. That's the name of the song. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I have that kind of like... That soundtrack almost plays, and I, I look at this tin can, and at night, you know, 
you get the sense you walk into it and it kind of has felt like we've been travelers yeah. in this thing and we're going through like the dark void of space and, yeah. and this thing has helped us like launch in that way and now and now we're kind of uh pushing off from the caravan we're yeah. like in orbit and yeah. the caravan you know it's like one of those like uh jet cartridges you yeah. know that you yeah. push off and once you reach certain layer of the atmosphere yeah and we're kind of like jettisoning it and, <laughs> and going continuing on into the universe but it has had that feeling of a, a spaceship through through the dark unknown and uh, I don't know. I have all these romantic ideas. That, that, is, that is that is great. That is a great analogy. And I think it's. I think it's launching us into our life. Yeah, it is. And I'm excited that we are selling it to someone who is in that stage of getting launched into their life. And so I'm excited. It's a reusable because, rocket. Yeah, it's a reusable <laughs> rocket. So she's gonna be able to like bring that to someone else. And I'm just, I'm just feeling all the feels of, of saying goodbye to something that has served its purpose. I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling, I'm grieving, feeling excited, so happy, exhausted by by this transition and this moving, and just all the feels. And this helps me in those moments. It helps me to remember, like, this is what life is about these moments every every little moment is what ends up counting as your life at the end well thank you for listening thank you it's been a sentimental episode it's so emotional <laughs> we you know we wanted to take you through this this time with us because we're at a very unique moment where i feel like we're kind of pinned in between the past and the future where you know it's kind of like that moment when you're on a plane, uh, when you're going somewhere far away or you're on a train, you're, you're not quite there, but you're definitely gone. And you're in that weird purgatory or that weird liminal yeah. state in yeah. between two places. Yeah. Neither here nor there. I think we're in that moment right now. And I tend to find a lot of emotions come up, a lot of memories, a lot of feelings, a lot of thoughts. It's an exciting, it's, it's a period of change. It's a period of transition and uh, it's exciting. We do like our transitions. This. We're all about the transitions. <laughs> it's all about the transformation. Transformation. Well, as always, need we say what you can do to help us and support the podcast? Yes. If this is your first time here. Well, hi, first. If this yeah. was your first yeah, thanks time. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, hi. And uh, maybe subscribe. Just hit Stick it. Stick around. Yeah. Hit it. Hit Come back subscribe. next week. We'd love to have you as a longtime listener. Join our, our merry tribe of. <laughs> travelers and wanderers and explorers of all yes. types yes uh if you've already subscribed why don't you share it yeah if, if that is probably what helps us the most yes this probably does help us the most share it with one person uh or maybe share it on your social media if, if you think it's been valuable and you think other people will appreciate it if you don't have anyone you think will resonate with this particular episode share a future one or leave us a review on iTunes because then it helps other people interested in the similar things finding us more easily. Yeah, and uh, we love to read your reviews. Well, next time we talk, we will be in a different location and forever, the recording studio in Chana Masala will be gone. Say it's not so. Oh. <laughs> Toodles. Oh, toodles. <laughs> <laughs>